Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Drunken Car Review. If you're listening to my insanity, that is. Anyways... I'm going to be doing a few, a few different um, reviews for you, I guess, and some news. Uh, first of all, I'm going to be reviewing a car from the 80s. Yes, I said the 80s. Why would I be reviewing one of these cars? Well, it's actually one of my favorite cars. And yes, I have a car from the 80s that I indeed enjoy. Second, I'm also going to be doing a little bit of news and possible shortages and other situations that may make you second-guess buying a car. I'm getting a lot of information based on uh, car selling prices and uh, problems with, uh, well supply chains and all that good stuff so I figured I'd share some of that with you all and hopefully you might be able to well, glean some important information from it but first let me review one of my favorite cars of all time yep I said a car from the 80s is one of my favorite cars of all time why is that well one of my favorite cars produced in the 80s yes in the 80s was the 20 the 1983 the 84 Oldsmobile. Yes, I said Oldsmobile. But not just any Oldsmobile. The Hurst Olds was for my, by far one of my favorites. The, the Hurst Old 442 was by far the best car ever produced in the 80s. Now, I know there were some tight competitors that I still really enjoy, like the Monte Carlo SS and the Pontiac Firebirds. But that's about it. Honestly, there wasn't really any other good cars produced in the 80s, in my strict opinion, because also I'm working their crap. Even the uh, supercars of the day were complete and utter shit. Sure, you had the Countaches and you had the other ones, which were very good cars, but for the every person, they weren't exactly affordable, nor after looking at them in the past, they weren't really that good. But that being said, it's not even comparable to the old technology, by the way. It's just more, they were just bad. Restrictions on engines, restrictions on material, restrictions on fuel economy, restrictions on everything by the EPA, kind of just shit on car, good cars in general during the 80s, and even a little bit into the 90s. But there were a few gleaming instances where car manufacturers still attempted to produce or recapture that sense of muscle car pride or that engineering prowess that they used to have in the 60s and 70s because, well, they still wanted to produce good cars. And sure, you had the Fox Body Mustangs, but in my opinion, in my opinion, there were only about a little over under 10,000 of these built, that being said. The Hearst... 1983 and 84 442 is by far the most fascinating cars. And sure, because it looked good, and sure, because the overall the performance wasn't bad for what it was in the 80s. No, that wasn't why, actually. And one of the coolest features, the coolest shifting systems I had ever seen in a car, ever. And anybody who tries to tell you otherwise is completely utter, well, full of shit. It is the lightning rods. Even the name was pretty badass at the time. These were basically three rods on the center console of your car, just like that. You'd normally have your floor shifter. Well, this instead replaced it with well, basically three knobs. And what these knobs did is first knob would uh, shift it into first, third rod would go into second, and the middle knob, the main, or the main knob, that being said, 
would be you're basically shifting into third or drive. This meant that you could technically still use an auto manual system, but still get that, well, it was based off of drag cars at the time. They had that whole shifting nothing, you throw one back, you throw one back, that's how you shift up and you knock it back down to go back down on, on your shifting. But it was based off of that at the time. It's based off a drag car. It was pretty damn cool. In my opinion, a lot of people could say that it wasn't reliable, didn't get much speed out of it, didn't help you at all. Sure, maybe not. But it was just a fun, quirky thing that just looked cool and badass when you looked in the car. I mean, you got three, like, shifter knobs sticking out of there. It just looks cool. It just looks like, oh, yeah, this thing's fast. I got, I got to get three shifter knobs on this damn thing. I mean, sure, you may only get up to maybe 100 miles an hour as the top speed, but that being said, it, was, it wasn't a bad car. I mean, the interior may not have been immaculate or even a muscular at the time. It was it was a lackluster interior. It had a little hints of um, 80s old person in it, considering it was an old. But the fact is, is that even the interior wasn't bad. It looked decent. And the engine was still powered by the Rocket Motor Series, which wasn't bad and still oftentimes featured carburetors, which people would sometimes put on top. But that being said, Overall, the car wasn't bad in my opinion. And to be honest, I have been on the hunt for one of these for a very long time. That being said, like I said, they only produced with the lightning rods a little under 10,000 of these things over those two years. And that was it. They didn't produce any more after that. So, finding one is challenging to say the least. If you can get your hands on one, that would be impressive because, yes, they're not like they're worth a fortune, but they are just difficult to track down. It's kind of like finding yourself like the... Um, well, any old car, basically like that, that's like one in a 10,000 car, it can be priced up or priced down. It just depends upon what the condition is. And like I said, there are a few Titan competitors. I do like the Transams of the day, and I love the Monte Carlos, which are pretty much the same body style as the Hurstolds. But the Hurstolds just had that uniqueness, that, that specialty, that, that quirkiness that just made it fun. And yes, cars were crap back then, but you could tell they were trying their damnedest to make their best out of a bad, bad, bad situation. And overall, I'd say they did a damn fine job of it. Yeah, it wasn't going to break any sound barriers. Yeah, it wasn't going to be the best performance handler or take the Le Mans track by storm. But it was just a fun, working car and just fun to drive. That's it. It didn't have the manual. It didn't have an automatic. It just had a fun to drive shifting car. You could feel like you were actually driving some kind of dragster for pretty much for Pete's sake. So overall, my, my opinion of this car, it had a lot of cool body styles and they had a few iterations in that. But overall, I think the car was damn good. They had good paint jobs, had good design, and yes, it's just kind of an acquired taste for the body style, but I still think it was pretty damn good. Anyways, that's just my short little information of why I think the lightning rod, or Hurst Olds, was, well, a damn fe cool feature in a car, and was well, something I wish they would add in. Yes, they have quirky features now, but it was just quirky features that didn't make it easier to drive, Lots of times it made it harder, it just made it more fun to drive. Anyways, let's proceed on to the next bit, shall we? we got some news for you people. First off, we're going to be sharing a lot of information to you on why you may or may not want to either buy a car now, like right now, because prices are probably not going to go down, or say, screw it, I'm waiting a few years and never buy one again. First off, car incentives. If you're planning on buying a new car, even a used car sometimes, they offer lots of times incentives to try to get people to in the door to buy them. Well, with the shortages going on, a lot of car companies are saying, we don't need that shit. We can't even keep the cars on a lot we have. So a lot of them are not even bothering to offer any kind of incentives. They're just saying, here's the car, here's the price. If you don't like it, screw off. The next 15 people behind you will buy it. And uh, one of the biggest uh, problematics is one of my car companies I have lashed out on before, GM. GM has a 
drop in the sentence by almost 42% by some estimates. 42%? That is, a, that is a huge number. I mean, that is... I mean, you think about it. 42% of incentives are dropped by GM and a lot of other car companies, like, for example, Slantis or Chrysler or whatever you want to call it nowadays, has almost 17% drop. That's a huge, huge loss of, well, reasons to buy cars. And yes, they figure they don't need to because, well, they have nowhere else to buy these things. But it's just, overall, it's just kind of a bit of a pain in the ass for the buyer because it's a very much a seller's market now this is a bubble at the end of the day and like the housing prices and everything else we're skyrocketing we're seeing now eventually it will drop and when it drops it will drop like a stone so the problem is if you have any equity in that car you'll probably end up losing a shit ton of it because nobody will want them anymore when they start cranking these out by the million so that being said just a little bit of warning if you're buying especially new cars and that is to watch out for well lacks of incentives and watch the msrp lots of times they're marking it up and if you can get a car at msrp you're considering yourself a good deal so yeah there are a few problems i have with well a lot of the car manufacturers and that yeah province to say the least because we got other things to discuss involving these shortages magnesium what is magnesium? Yes, that's the stuff that you oftentimes dump into aluminum and a lot of other shit. Basically, everything pretty much uses aluminium or magnesium, which is used for aluminium. The problem is, is that China has decided to pretty much say, screw you if you have any kind of aluminum plants. Yep, they decided to shut down. They have about 55 plants, which provide a majority of the aluminum or magnesium, I should say, in the U.S. and the world. Well, they pretty much decided to say, screw you people, and shut half of them down because of power shortages. Yep, they have power shortages. Like, they, the primary thing they decided to shut down was a shit ton of plants to provide the world's magnesium. Why would they do this? I honestly don't know. Because this is one of the problems I have with our reliance on other countries for shit sometimes. I get you want to make stuff affordable by taking advantage of people's cheap labor in other countries, but... The problem is, when that shit goes wrong in those countries, it reflects back on us. So the problem is now, aluminium prices are going through the roof. Why does this affect cars? Well, pretty much every, every single car block to car body styles at this point now are pretty much made out of aluminium or aluminum. And the problem is with that is that, well, if those go up, car prices go up. And it doesn't matter if you have yourself a gasoline or an electric car. Aluminium is aluminum. Damn, why do you keep saying aluminum? God damn British. Anyways, so aluminum is pretty much skyrocketing, and if you have an electric or gas car, it doesn't really matter. Both prices will go absolutely through the roof. Absolutely bunkers. So, if overall, it's a bit of a problem. So not only do we have a chip shortage, we have a magnesium or an aluminum shortage, where prices are going through the roof. What does this mean? It means that if you plan on buying a car, don't. Or at least if you do plan on buying a car, you better buy that shit now because it's probably going to get worse going into 2020s, 23, and 20, possibly 24, in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm probably not going to be buying an old or new car anytime soon like I initially planned. I'll probably end up buying something older. I'm going to start looking up some old cars because, yes, the about the used car and new car market is skyrocketing. The classic car market is staying pretty damn stable. Yep, if you're going to buy something, in my opinion, buy classic because it's better and cheaper. Yep, I never thought I'd say that in my life. Anyways, what else have we got here? Oh, yeah. This is a little bit of another personal information. Now, I've seen some price gouging from dealerships on a lot of cars. A lot of cars nowadays. And, yes, I understand a little price gouging because people want the car. They, well, they pay through the nose to get it sometimes. And, honestly, 
Okay, fine. You make the money where you can get the money. I get that. But there comes a time when you take that shit far too far. And honestly, I got excited one day when I saw an ad. Yes, a Bronco was for sale. A actual Bronco was for sale by a dealership by me. And I was like, holy crap, I can actually buy a Bronco. Until I saw the price tag on the thing. And I went, what the hell? Now, this wasn't like a top-of-the-line Bronco, mind you. Just to start off before I say anything else. It wasn't like a first-edition, top-of-the-line, every trim option available, everything on the car. Nope, it was a pretty much a... Well, it was an LT Bronco. It was nothing spectacular. Guess the price. If you haven't already, it was $120,000. $120,000. It was a diamond edition. That's not even like the... That's like mid-tier, not even that. $120,000. Frickin dollars. That's over a hundred percent goddamn markup. The car cost. I looked at the sticker. Forty-five thousand. Forty-forty thousand to make the damn thing. It's almost three times the price. How in God's goddamn name do you justify that shit? I mean, God damn it. What kind of absolute bullshit is that? I don't care if the car is valuable or important. You're a dealership for shit's sake. You're not some guy on the road just trying to sell a car and trying to gouge people for pricing. I mean, honestly, what does that say about your dealership for Christ's sake? What, we're going to take advantage of whatever shit we want? We don't give a crap about the customer. We're just trying to take advantage of your ass. And I get it. They're probably just putting that crap up there because they have no intention of selling that and they have every intention of keeping it for a long time and use it for advertising purposes. We have a Bronco. Come take a look. Oh, you can't afford that? Here's a Jeep. Yeah, no, I can see why they don't play price it high, but God damn it, that is ridiculous. I have seen some shit, some shady shit pulled by some dealerships, but God damn it, that was by far the most thing that pissed me off. Because honest to God, you do not leave any kind of markup anywhere even close to that kind of shit. So yes, watch what you're buying, people, because yes, there are a lot of shady ass car companies out there, and yes, a lot of them are bullshit. Now that I've screamed at you for a few minutes, I wish you all a wonderful day and a wonderful night. This has been a Drunken Car Review. If you like my insanity, please feel free to subscribe to my stupidity. Anyways, have a wonderful day and a wonderful night. Goodbye.